Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Baradon Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the Designer in the building with Courtney Cronin on a Thursday. Dalvin Cook is no longer a Minnesota Viking. What is really the plan with the Vikings? I think that's the real question because there's some trade concerns around this team as well. We'll get into all of that. I mean, there's so much to touch on. Uh, You gave a 0% chance that Chicago was in the mix. And Kevin Warren's meeting with the Chicago mayor. So uh, we'll talk about that and more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. I do a lot of podcasts out here. Let's get into the first quarter, Courtney. First quarter. First things first, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm a little confused, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, you've got like 20 jobs, so it's fair. And they're all podcasts. So. They are all podcasts. I do, uh, do a lot of podcasts in my life. But, I mean... It's uh it's a living. I'm uh it's better doing this than working outside in those sweltering sun and or rain that I used to do. But somebody who uh is looking for a new job out here, Dalvin Cook, even though I mean I guess officially right they're talking about they still might try to trade him. <laughs> what leverage do they have? Right, you know what I mean? It's just absurd when I saw that this morning that they are planning to release him. And of course, the deadline for the Vikings was minicamp. They don't want to find him and right. they don't want to have to pay him. Right. So, it's a situation now that he's as good as gone and he's been as good as gone. I just don't understand like, all right, we're going to release him, but we're still trying this last ditch effort of trading him. Like what leverage do you have? That just doesn't make any sense. Why is to it always in that order too? I swear Chris Paul, the same thing. Yesterday. I, saw, yeah, I saw that last <laughs> night. Like he's going to be released if they can't find a way to trade him. So if you put that out there, you're basically calling your own bluff that teams are going to call and they're not going to try to give up draft capital for something they know they can get on the open market in the not, too distant future yeah well let me ask you this right that with dalvin cook probably being released i think that that's the path that we're heading towards what are we looking at with this vikings team now is is this team still a major threat in the nfc north or do you feel like they're moving down because i mean as much as people might say, yeah, 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 well, you'll find another guy like that. Dalvin Cook was a really good running back for them, a really good weapon for them, and a really good check down piece for Kirk Cousins sure. to be able to use. Are they still as big of a threat as people have talked about in the NFC North to a Chicago Bears team that's trying to come up and Detroit? This is the inevitable. And people are going to look back at the 13 and 4 year and say, well, that was a fluke. And they knew it was a fluke because. The idea when they move on from Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman and they bring Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell in is that they're going to be headed towards a rebuild. Yeah. They called it a competitive rebuild. So their idea was, hey, we're going to try to push this thing through one more year and be quietly rebuilding behind the scenes, getting players in that they can push into roles of other players that they're going to eventually push out. We saw Eric Kendricks get released. We saw Adam Thielen move on from the Minnesota Vikings. Certainly now Dalvin Cook, a part of that. And who knows about Daniil Hunter? They either have to pay him or trade him. And Zadarius Smith, again, that was a one-year piece, but some of the core foundation players that were with the Minnesota Vikings ever since I covered them 2017 through the 21 season, they're all gone. And I just look at this and know that ownership pushed the, 
we want to stay relevant. We want to try to get this thing through. We think a coaching change and an overall personnel change idea of someone who's in charge of personnel, that change can help this team remain competitive. And it did yield a 13 and four season last year, but that, it's not going to mean anything in the grand scheme of things when they have to start over. And eventually that means starting over at the quarterback position, but they're never going to be bad enough to get a top 10 pick to go get a quarterback. They're in this purgatory of we're not great, but we're not the worst. And it's stuck somewhere between like 15 and 25 on the draft order. And that's not a really great place to be. If you need a quarterback and you're in a spot where you're trying to get out of this media mediocrity that they've been rooted in. And, you know, I was talking with some of my old uh, beat partners this morning, just about what we're going to be looking back at, you know, how we'll remember Quasi's first year in Minnesota as the GM and just some of the decision makings. I, some are going to say he blew it with this, that he couldn't even get a pick for Dalvin Cook. Others are going to say his hands were tied because ownership is really trying to force this thing through of they want to remain competitive. They want to continue to be in the mix. They might not be a Super Bowl contending team, yeah. but this makes it that much harder now because this is something I think a lot of people are going to agree they should have started last year and just gone in from the ground level when you have a new GM and a head coach and moved on at that point and then started the rebuilding process. Not, all right, one more year, one year away, we got to start over again. Yeah. Is is this, it feels like this is a situation of, we've got Justin Jefferson and we'll never let him go. So we have to make sure that we're trying to maintain competitiveness so that Justin Jefferson wants to stay here and be happy. But Mm -hmm. I, I guess Dalvin cook to me, isn't the piece that is, Oh my God, they, they can't replace this. But when I look at, you know, where the Vikings are going to rank in the NFC North, I'm looking at, okay, this was an important piece to your quarterback being relevant i've i I love the games right where the bears play the vikings because we usually had that guy in akeem hicks who was able to just say yeah you're not going anywhere my mom always used to say like there was this one chicago tribune like sports cover i want to say it was the 2019 game so it would have been week four if memory serves My mom's like, Kirk looks like a squashed banana um, (laughs) because of the gimmick. (laughs) Like, just like, he was like his worst enemy. Yes. Every single time, because Kirk can't handle, most quarterbacks can't, but Kirk certainly really struggles with pressure up the middle. Like, Akeem Hicks is his kryptonite. And I just remember, like, I just, I don't know, my mom always called it that. I thought it was absolutely hilarious because it's true. It's true. Because he always got after him. And, you know, those games, the Bears-Vikings rivalry, if you want to call it that, just the, the two games that they play against each other every single year in the NFC North, you always expected that Dalvin Cook is capable of a home run, but were you always expecting him to play? That's that's kind of the situation that the Vikings found themselves in, where you had Alexander Madison, who they mm-hmm. drafted in the third round in 2019. He wasn't just you know the complimentary piece. He was a replacement piece in a lot of games because of the injuries that Cook has dealt with throughout his career. Of course, you know from 2019 onwards, yeah. there'd be stretches where he'd miss three, four, five games sometimes, and. He did play a fully healthy season last year. That is something to note. He is still a very capable home run hitter sort of back. Like if you yeah. give him a crease, and I know some coaches will talk about this with 
a number of different guys, you really see it with Dalvin Cook. He doesn't need much as far as his field vision is excellent. And once he, in his acceleration is too, once he's able to find a hole and in an outside zone scheme, it's just a perfect fit for him, which is why I still think he has a considerable amount of good football left. He's oh, going to yeah. be 28 years old this season. It's just not going to be in a place that the bill came due. The yeah. bill came due for the Minnesota Vikings, their salary cap implications and everything that's been hamstringing them just not not even just with Kirk Cousins' contract, but with some of the extensions that they made, being very loyal to veterans who, you know, absolutely deserved it, but were probably not worth the price that they were Past paying. Their prime and them, yeah. this is what happens when you make those decisions and you have to make some tough ones, and eventually you're going to move on from this core that they built, you know, basically 2017 on. He was slated to make 14.1 mil in cap. Yeah. I mean. I mean, good lord, last to a pay lot. a running back, a ten, uh, it's like ten point four million. That <laughs> yeah. was the cap hit. His cash yeah. was, or his base salary is ten point four. You know, he is coming off the shoulder surgery. He ha- he was very reluctant to get that. It is an injury that happened, I believe, Packers game in two thousand nineteen, and yeah. he kind of kept dealing Just with dealing it, with dealing with it. And they finally were like, "You need to get this," so he gets it done. So if you're thinking, okay, is it worth paying a running back who? Proof for one season he's healthy, but the longevity there, it's he's probably not going to make that much on the open market. So that's why there's a handful of teams, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Not only is he from Miami, but you know, a team that does have ample salary cap space and not a clear cut number one, unless you want to make Raheem Mostert that guy. I think that that's a very strong landing spot for him going forward. I don't see him staying in this division. I think that some of the odds that are out there are just a little bizarre uh, about him potentially coming here to Chicago. I thought that as well. I mean, of course, Bears podcast, we do have to ask that. I just, there's two parts of me that, that like, there's the one part where I'm like, ah, we probably could have paid him what we paid Deontay Foreman. Sure. And been okay <laughs> like he, or or offer him the pieces would have had to have come into play far sooner because foreman was yeah. a free agent yes foreman got you know a very respectable like you know on the bear side of things very cheap deal very cheap team friendly deal. deal just knowing how the, the the cook operation operates behind the scenes i don't think they're looking for a team friendly deal no. i think that he's still trying to get paid and I don't know. It's certainly not going to be that $10.4 million base salary. You're not going to see those figures, but could it be upwards five, six, seven, potentially? A Monty deal. Mm-hmm. I would have I would have been okay with offering him right the money we were going to offer Monty. I just, it, it's, when I look at how Dalvin Cook impacts a game and how he fits into an outside zone run, there's always that part of me that's going to be like, wow. That would have been really nice to have sure. here in Chicago. You've got the speed, but I mean, you're you're still dealing with at, at this point the odds that the Bears are in on this. I think are done because you're still dealing with having three backs back there, still trying to figure out who yeah. the lead back is. Because realistically, you've got two backs that are really good runners. Khalil Herbert's a really good runner. Deontay Foreman, really good runner. Apparently, Roshan Johnson's going to be a pillar of this team. Uh, for the, for the next ten years, according to Ryan Pulse, so shout out to that, I guess. But I think our running back room is full. But you did say something. You said you don't believe that he stays in this division. Is the, the there's no chance that he sticks around? Goes to maybe, and I guess not Green Bay. Nah. Can't be Detroit Can't be either. Detroit I mean, either. Think about it. They just re-upped. Swift just yeah. got traded out of there. David Montgomery's there. They drafted Jameer Gibbs. Like there's. There's really no spot for him here. And I can understand just when fans are looking at the decisions that 
you know, Ryan Poles can still make. There is still ample salary cap space to be utilized. I don't think it's going to be on a running back like anybody else in the running back room. It's crowded. Competition, you want as much of it as you can, but there comes a point where you'd be overdoing it, I think, by bringing him in here. The one thing he adds, though, that you just haven't seen enough from Khalil Herbert, you might have seen flashes of it with Roshan Johnson in college. And, And certainly, you know, I just think that they need to utilize their running backs more coming out of the backfield catching passes. They just don't do that as much as they probably could. We saw Dave Montgomery finally make strides in that direction last year. I would imagine that's going to still be a considerable part of this offense. There's one thing that Dalvin Cook, though, head and shoulders above everybody else that's currently in the Bears running back room. That's one area that he's really, really good. Yeah, he's, he's an excellent pass the catcher. Check down, as you had mentioned. I mean, Alexander I, Madison's going to be that guy for Kirk Cousins now going forward, and he can be, but Dalvin Cook was another level there. He's he. It's so interesting because you have to ask now, yet again, like we keep asking, why is the running back market continuing to do this? I mean, you see Dalvin Cook, he's 27 years old. 14 million cap hit is a lot, but realistically, he's not going to go out and get anything that I think is even close to the 10 million that he was going to get. Like I said, I think he's going to get five or six, like you said that this running back market continues to go the opposite direction unless you're kind of this game-changing player. And then even then, right, you look at Saquon Barkley where they're like, we kind of don't want to pay you, but we want to look good in the media, so we'll offer you a franchise tag. You can sign that whenever you're ready. And they offered him a deal. Like They offered him a long-term deal in season last year. He turned it down because yeah. he thought he was going to – get more in the offseason. They're like, sorry, that number is no longer on the table. It's the value of the running back in the NFL. And yes, there was a time where we saw the spurt of the Alvin Kamara's getting their big Alvin signed his. I think the morning Dalvin ended up signing his Alvin and Dalvin. Um, It was the Saturday before (laughs) the start of the 2020 season. You're seeing like these massive deals. The contracts don't play out well. They never like they, there's a reason that the Vikings structured it the way they did with these like backloaded, ca- like very backloaded contract, very heavy cap hits because they knew that they would have fail safes at some point to be able to pull the plug to to get out of jail not free but for a price. Right. Um. That's you utilize them until you're ready to move on. And I just think there wasn't really any malicious intent. Of course, we go back to 2020, and that was the COVID year. And Dalvin Cook, you know did show up for the, it was such a weird season. I just remember covering that. Like when you get there and you're like, all right, we have three weeks of three weeks of training camp, which didn't really even feel like that. Cause you're incorporating all the rookies and the vets and cooks out there, yeah. not doing really anything. It was honestly the true, the first true hold in that we saw once the CBA was ratified. And then, you know, it was just strange because of the COVID circumstances, but he was there every single day. Cause he didn't want to get fined. And, he was just kind of like waiting on that new deal and he kept waiting and waiting. It's like, all right. Like he was, you know, really, there was one point the deal was off and it was like, all right, like you're either going to have to like play out the season or you're just going to have to, you know, to incur the fines if you don't want to play. And obviously there's like a threshold you have to show up. I believe it's by week 10. Otherwise you don't get a season accrued for free agency. Everything was stacked against him. But for some reason, the Vikings caved and, I don't know if they'd say they regret that. It was a different front office regime at the time, um, but it's or mostly different front office regime. The people who are negotiating the deals yeah, are still yeah. there. But I I look back at like the era of what they got from Dalvin Cook, and he's one of the most explosive players in, in franchise history, certainly at that position. But it was just time. There was no like 
you know, going back th- then, it was like it was getting heated yeah, between yeah, the front yeah. office and in his side. But now it's just kind of like, you know, this is it's time for everybody for a fresh start. And I don't think that either side is upset about this. I mean, Dalvin today, believe it was this morning, tweeted out this play of him against uh, the Miami Dolphins last season when the Vikings played there and said like expensive play or something like that. So he knows <laughs> that he can still get a sizable contract at his position. Might it be his last? That's pretty likely given the position he plays. I, I'd i be surprised to see it. I, I guess it depends, right? Like for me, the surprise would be if a team outside of the Miami Dolphins offered it. Because the Miami Dolphins are all in, which yeah. usually when you're all in, you're saying, this okay, Dalvin. Dal- rumored for a while. It made a ton of sense. Yeah, you're saying Dalvin Cook's on the market. Boom, pay him whatever he's looking for. Let's get him in here. Let's get him working with the team, blah, blah, blah. I, I think Miami's probably his probable landing sp- uh, spot. I'll ask you this, though. Does this kind of keep your expectation on where the Vikings are going to finish out? Does this change it? Does this, you know, maybe Madison steps up? Does this move forward in your mind? Where are the Vikings now in your mind without this weapon? They're in a really strange spot, and they've been in one, but I do think that this is a spot for them that it's like the bottom's falling out on this team, but they pulled the bottom out. Like if they trade Daniil Hunter, if they don't have, I mean, they already don't have Zadarius Smith anymore. It's a brand new scheme. So you're asking Kevin O'Connell to be a top five coach, top five, you know, in terms of getting everything out of Kirk cousins and hoping that Brian Flores is able to stick around as a defensive coordinator and turn that unit around. You're hoping that you can ride this wave just a little bit longer. And, you know, finish what second in the NFC North. I don't think that's a realistic second or first, but I don't think that's a realistic proposition for this team to have, despite still having some of the, you know, the key pieces there. You mentioned Justin Jefferson. I think it was kind of a, a really poor tell by uh, their general manager to say that paying, you know, the potential contract extension is champagne problems, because if I'm his agent, I'm running up a deep check on that. And like, it's, you know, is Jefferson going to want to sign that though when he sees the writings on the wall with this team that they're starting over? So as far as the NFC North and where they finish, like they're definitely not going to be first. They're probably not going to be second. They might be the third team in the division, which is kind of a scary proposition for what it means potentially for the Chicago Bears. I still think that the Bears are in their spot right now where they're building this thing. There's yeah. no expectations of wins yet, like in like okay, you need to be this place in the division because they haven't gotten it off the ground. Yeah. Three wins last year tells you nothing about what this season could be. But I think the Vikings are going to take, holistically speaking, a pretty big step back. Ooh. I mean, it's inevitable. It seems like it's planned. You've you've mentioned Daniil Hunter a couple of times. I guess here's the question, right? Let's get into the second quarter on this one because I think. Second quarter. He fits a need. He wanted to come here? He fits a need. And I know that we're big on just signing the guy off the street because we got the money to do it. Like, but does the guy on the street want to come here? That's the question. Why the, the the question? It's always easy when we make these projections on guys like Yannick Ngakwe is a perfect fit with the Bears. It's like, yeah, but does Yannick Ngakwe want to come to a mm-hmm. team that won three games last season? But Daniil Hunter's out there. The Bears have capital to offer they if they wanted the trade, and they also could pay him. Should the Chicago Bears be in on Daniil Hunter, even knowing that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I looked this up last time, the Vikings and Bears have never made a trade with each other. I'm trying to think. I mean, certainly not in my time covering them. Um, it was weird because when 
the new regime came into Minnesota, like I can't recall any sort of interdivision trades happening the five seasons I covered Minnesota. Right. And then all of a sudden it's trading back in the first round to give the Packers Christian Watson with that pick and then trading at the deadline with Detroit to get TJ Hawkinson. Like they certainly have thrown all sort of, um, you know, traditional thinking about trading with the guys you yeah. see twice a year out the window could i mean certainly daniel hunter would have to come here via trade yes. would the bears be willing you know he is a player who was dealt with some pretty significant injuries the torn pec the neck injury in 2020 which was like a like the disc injury like in his neck was awful yeah. um that was terrifying like thinking about like could he have you know could could that have been so much worse he, and i just he has gotten so he, he still has so much prime left. He's so young. Like when he recorded the fastest, he became the f- youngest player to reach 50 sacks, the fastest in his career. And I remember yeah. sitting down with him to do a profile like the scratch, the surface being scratched for him was like, ju- you were just starting to see it back in like 2018, 2019. And then the 2020 season happened. It was like, man, like, what's next for this guy in 2021 there was the contract issue that he had then it was like a minor holdout uh, during like this time of year and they end up like you know reworking his deal that's another one where if the vikings don't pay him he's he's gonna end up somewhere else and i mean they have to but i i think if they're really in this true tear down mold they can't half-ass it in a way the way that they and that's not really they can't go one foot in, one foot out, where it's like, okay, Jeff, Justin Jefferson's here. He's a cornerstone piece of this offense. We want to build around him going forward and then like take away all the other pieces that yeah. make your football team really good. Made you a 13-win football team last year. They've got some really tough decisions, but if they're thinking, all right, no more of this like 50% in, 50% out, we've got to do this and do it right this time and do it for long-term sustainability – then that would lead you to believe that Daniel Hunter would be on the way out. I mean, he's still, it's not, he's not even 30 yet. I want to say he's 28, like 28, 28 like, years old. He, pass rushers don't hit their prime until they're, you know, 30, 31. So he has a lot of football, assuming he can stay healthy, a lot of football left to play. But I just, I, would he want to come here? Like, I mean, it's not really his choice at this point if he was going to be traded. It'd be a here, trade situation. He, yeah. This is a team that can afford him, that can afford to give him you know, kind of what he needs. And he means instantly the best pass rusher on this roster that certainly needs one off the edge. I, I look at him as a, even with the injury concerns, I mean, it, was, it basically was just the 2021 season, right? 20, 2020, 2020 was a wash. And yeah, was a pack, there was the pack. There was his neck. Um, yeah. He, yeah. He played none of 2020 and then 2021 yeah. he missed half the season and he yeah 2022 was all right we need a running mate for him because that's why they went out and got Zedarius Smith, Smith and that did not go over well but they were also changing what Daniel was doing yeah. Daniel doesn't need to be in a situation where he's standing up rushing from he needs to have his hand in the dirt rushing off the edge that is what makes him successful and you don't need to switch him into a three, four, the way that they were doing in Minnesota last year. And that's exactly why I feel like, I don't know if a trade would happen. I I think the cost for that, I mean, it probably would be less because you know that the Vikings, at at least I feel like, you know, the Vikings kind of 
again, don't want to pay him because they want to try and start to open up some cap space. They want to start to move the other direction. But there's always that question mark of, okay, Justin Jefferson's on this team. Are we really going to give up on Justin Jefferson, who could be the best wide receiver in the league? You know what I mean? So I'm looking at this as a situation where the Bears might be able to come in, get a little bit of a discount, not much, but you know that they don't want him. This might be the time to pounce on a move like this. We talked about a bunch of different moves that the Bears could make like this where you get that linchpin piece of your defense. I don't think that this would be a bad one. I think the question mark would be, like you said, does Minnesota want to see this guy two times a year? When That's a tough decision for them to have to make, but they've been adamant, at least with this new regime, that they are okay trading within, within a division. And I just think... They have to look at this realistically now, like no more like, okay, we can try to squeak it through this way or we can try to do this and hold on. Like you can't hold on to the past. Like there are a lot of like life lessons within that. That's one that the Vikings can really learn because, you know, the Kirk Cousins contract extension is not going to be made easy. So either he's great at 36 years old this year and you find some sort of, you know, the only competition you would have would really be like the San Francisco 49ers. If you're thinking like, okay, however their quarterback situation is going to plan pay play out. Kyle Shanahan loves Kirk Cousins. Does he feel like, okay, I just need to get one more chance at him? Or, you know, you end up letting him walk. And they can't franchise him again because Washington used the two tags. So that would just be like, his contract has already been an albatross on the salary cap (laughs) since 2018 when they made him the first fully guaranteed quarterback with a three-year $84 million deal. They're not going to do it again. They have to have learned from their lessons along the way, which includes ownership kind of taking a step back and saying, we probably shouldn't have pushed this through last year. They shouldn't have tried. If you're going to do it the right way, you know, frankly, like I think what Ryan pulls, I mean, it's a big reason that he didn't want to end up with the Minnesota Vikings because ownership was dead set. I remember the day that Zimmer and Spielman were fired. That was when the whole competitive rebuild thing came out. And at least the idea of it from Mark Wolf, the owner, and I can understand in the moment wanting to, not make any sort of declarations, but he didn't have to make that one. And that's that fell on the general manager and anybody else who's going to come in there that, okay, they still think we can be really good this year. And 13 and four is is really good, but what did it yield you? A first round exit in the wild card round with, so the a, defense, with a defense <laughs> that just fell apart. And now you have a brand new scheme in there. Most of those players that were there last year are out of there, at least like the veteran guys who are yeah. not like, you know, like, people there who were like rookies last year. It's it's a weird sight to see because transition has not been a thing that's been easy for them to really buy into in Minnesota and how that bodes for the rest of the NFC North. It's a pretty good thing for teams to think, hey, we might be able to to, you know, to steal a game against Minnesota, maybe even, you know, thinking that they could jump that team in the in the order of the way that the division finishes. It's so Minnesota is such a weird team. It's like you said, like they never really have that massive rebuild. It just kind of no. turns into everyone gets too old to keep playing. And 100%. then we just have to let you go. I remember I remember AP when when he was there, I was just like, they're not getting better. They're just like they just keep playing. And they're trying to milk everything that they was, can that out of AP. The they drafted Dalvin <laughs> Cook when they let him go in 17. They initially signed Latavius Murray in free agency, yeah. and then they bring in Dalvin Cook with their second-round pick. And, you know, some will say that Adrian Peterson, they held on to him too long. I mean, there's a couple different examples of this with this team. I mean, last I checked, in all due respect, like Harrison Smith's still on this roster. At safety. Yeah. Yeah. And they paid yeah. him in 2021. They paid him. 
And that's a loyalty move. I mean, he's an excellent <laughs> football player. He will be in their ring of honor, potentially even like a fringe Hall of Fame player. He's an unbelievable safety. But think about where he is in his age. Like <laughs> Harrison Smith is still on their roster. I didn't even think yeah. about that. How long has he been in the league he, at this point? He's been since 2012. <laughs> and he's been with them the entire time. Hey, I, I guess I love the loyalty. Um, they, that's one thing. If anything, they're loyal. That's a, that's always the tough part, right? Because especially as as the somebody who's covering the team, somebody who is a fan of the team, right? Like, you want your guys to be loyal to your guys because that's what we all want in life. We want that loyalty. But you also want the best talent available and it's impossible to get if you're being loyal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Jerry Reinsdorf, right? Like there's, there, there's so there many some, situations some shades of that for yeah. sure. And I just think that it's the doubling down aspect and saying, we don't want to face the worst case scenario by making this move. So we're just going to keep trying to push this move yeah. through and see if it'll work. A lot of that is what's been tied up financially with the quarterback. And eventually I know they drafted a quarterback this year, like in one of the, like I think it was the mid rounds and it's, um, is it a succession plan? Maybe wasn't Kellen Mond supposed to be a succession Kellen plan? Kellen Mond was, uh, I remember that, right? Y'all remember that Chicago? Y'all remember that when, when Kellen Mond was going to be, you know, if we, if we miss here, you know, go get Kellen Mond trade, trade back and go get Kellen Mond. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of that Fun here. Times. I was in on Kyle Trask. I'm not going to lie. It's not looking good. I was in on Kyle Trask. That one. I said he was second I mean, in Heisman voting when he was in college. I was like, go get him. And, and then he was behind the goat. I was like, oh, he's going to be great. I saw that first yeah, pass in training I mean, camp. He might be better than Baker Mayfield. You never know. <sighs> we'll see. Judging by what little we know and the scene from OTAs. but Oh, man. Let's keep this thing moving along. We're at halftime. Courtney, halftime is always my favorite time because we get to talk about anything. And you usually come with fun nuggets. Courtney. What do you got for halftime today? I don't know if this is like a super fun nugget, but I was debating this morning the idea of like the appropriate times to eat certain leftovers. (sighs) This is a great conversation here. Let's bring this to the forefront. Last night, my favorite restaurant in the city is La Scarola. I've been going to it since I was, you know, like this tall. And I always get penne alla vodka. It comes with shrimp. It's my favorite thing on the menu. I would eat it every day if I could. And so it's massive. Have you been there? I have been there, and they give you very, very like, large portions. Yes. Like they, it, again, it it's is, why I go there. It is the <laughs> best Italian restaurant in the city, and I know I have some like bias there because I've been going to it forever, but like just the prices, the food, the the ambiance, like it's impossible to get in. So like I called and then like, and a friend of mine was in town. I was like, let me just see, let's just throw hail Mary here. See if we can get in. Got in. So I order my pasta. I bring half of it home. And then this morning I'm like, sip my coffee, which, you know, acidic, not great. Like I drink black coffee. I don't like anything in it. So it's like not great in your stomach. I'm hungry. I need something. I'm like, this is like seven 30 in the morning. I'm answering emails. I'm, you know, doing my stuff, writing a few things for my next story that I'm working on. I'm like, that last Corolla pasta is in the fridge. Is it too early? And I determined in that moment, it's never too early for leftover penne alla vodka. And I ate it. It was like, I warmed it up. I'm not one of, I'm not one of these cold leftover p- people. I don't. No, no cold pizza. Get that out of here. The only time I've ever liked it was Barnaby's. Have you heard Barnaby's? I have had Barnaby's. Yeah. Um, the Cracker Crust is my favorite. That's the only cold pizza I will ever eat, but most times I want it warmed up. So I do that and I'm sitting there. It's like, 
eight o'clock rolls around. I'm like, I just had pasta for breakfast and it had shrimp in it. It's like seafood for breakfast in a way. And then I felt really gross because I'm like, God, this had a lot of garlic in it. I'm about to do a podcast with Pat in two hours. I better like (laughs) take a shower and like, you know, obviously do like three rinses of mouthwash after I brush my teeth. But is I thought to myself, I'm like, is this just savage behavior or is it okay to eat like penne ala vodka that early in the morning? I'm going to be honest with you. There's no bad time to eat anything at any time. And the reason that I say this is because I can't judge you for that because I will have cereal for breakfast, lunch, dinner dessert yes i do have cereal as a dessert sometimes Some people, i mean if you get like a snack in the middle of the day i mean listen cinnamon toast in the middle of the day that's cereal cinnamon toast crunch is never not great so i i'm i'm the person who is willing to eat anything at any time i will say pasta in the morning is a little different well, the weird. only thing that throws me off about your pasta in the morning is pasta with coffee that's, that's a little I tough. Was, I was. That's a little tough for me to follow you down that path. I'm not gonna lie. I got water because I'm like, all right, you really don't want to be like drinking like coffee while like eating like a very heavy cream sauce pasta yeah. with like shrimp and everything else. I tried it at first. It didn't taste awful, but I'm like, gotta have separation of church and state. Can't, can't a little espresso maybe. If you got a little, um, a little uh, espresso. I machine. used my Keurig this morning instead of my Nespresso. I was like, switch it up, and I was like, why did I do that when I could have like just kept it. Yeah. in the way that I've yeah. been doing every other day but it, it like it weighed on me this morning I'm like is this just degenerate behavior because back in like my like my video editing days when I'd be on like these diet Red Bull binges like three in the span of like a couple hours yeah. and like you're like all right like it's the middle of the night I'm editing what can I eat you go to the fridge you get anything you want at that time of night it's okay but like this was like I'm an adult I'm 32 years old this was eight o'clock in the morning and I'm like Pasta seems like a great idea. It's not like my fridge didn't have eggs or any other breakfast things. I'm not living like a complete savage, but I just, I need the people to weigh in. Like, is there, because people talk about cold pizza for breakfast or even hot, like warm up pizza. That's yeah, fine. I'm doing pizza for breakfast. Like that's, that's okay. I think it's, I've know. cooked eggs and put it on pizza from the okay. night before. That's, it's pretty fire. That sounds, I mean, might have to try that, but good. I, I just felt, I was like, okay, like, Asking for a friend here, <laughs> sort of idea. <laughs> but but everybody, everybody knows we're the friend. No, I, I'm not. It's not insane. I don't know. That's the, again. If you separated the coffee from it, I can I can be more on board with that. Because really, when does time really stop? That's the thing. If it's three o'clock in the morning versus eight o'clock in the morning, the only difference is the big star in the sky is awake. Okay. I mean, like, if we're being 100% honest, I don't know. I'm okay with it. All right. You're good. And uh, it doesn't smell like garlic in here. Great. We're doing good things. But it was, I, it was the, I mean, it's just, it's the best food. It's such, like, their, their Italian menu, like, they, they give it to you on a piece of paper. Their specials are written, like, on a piece of paper daily. Like, you know, it's good. That's literally what my girlfriend said. Like, she was in town from Minneapolis. I was like, oh my God, I know a place to take you. Like, and so, and she's Italian too. Like she was out. She, I think she's from Jersey originally or Philly. And I like told her, I'm like, Cammy, like I've got the best place. And she's like, all right, like I'll meet you there. And so I took her there and she's like, yeah, that was really good. Like, yeah. It lived up to the hype. You got, I don't know if at her hotel this morning, she woke up before her like SPJ conference that she's <laughs> going to and had her leftover, whatever <laughs> she ordered. But um, see, but here's the I thing. Did. Here's the thing about that, though, because if you do it the other way, you're just spending the entire whatever you're doing 
thinking about, man, I got that pasta at home. I could just, I can go back and eat. That I could have done it after the show in between this and my next radio show, but I'm like, no, like that'll put me to sleep. Yeah, like, no, you got carb loading. You, the middle of the day is different between carb loading and the beginning of the day. And bad. you never know. We might get put through another workout here in the middle <laughs> of um, our podcast. So I had to, well, be that's prepared. why you carved up. Yes, that's why that, you carved that's up. That's why I did it. That's why I did it. Not because I was hungry. You were not a savage. I was ready for Danny important. to make me an Oscar star again. <laughs> <laughs> no, update the IMDBs, please. That's all we're asking for. Third Let's keep this thing moving, man, because OTAs was yesterday. Let's get into the third quarter. And I think that uh, getting back into the football talk, it's good to see some guys back mm-hmm. in the building. Eddie Jackson is back. Jayla Johnson back. Nate Davis is back. But we got a nugget of news yesterday that I thought really got me excited because we talked about this wide receiver core and what it could be. And we've included Darnell Mooney in that. It sounded like at first off in the beginning, Flus was like, you know, we're Darnell's moving in the right direction and we hope to see him again. And I'm glad they pressed him. They're like, so is he back by training camp? Yeah. Yeah. We expect him back. And that's like, you don't want to put a timeline on anybody. I understand it. Like it, soft tissue injuries are one thing, but fractures and fractures, bone breaks yeah. are completely other. And when we were talking with Tyke Tolbert in early May, right around the time of rookie minicamp, it was he's running. So it's like, okay, well, what does running mean? Like, is he, you know, that injury happened week 12 of yeah. last year against the Jets. And so the time that it took with, you know, post surgery for him to like get, healed and then the rehab and all of that i think it was more just he's in the building every day he's attacking his rehab like he really wants to get back out there and same thing with eddie jackson fortunately in the case of eddie jackson with his liz frank he didn't have to have surgery so that's a big deal i think for him going forward for mooney though there was no timeline placed on him then and that's fair but now it's like all right it's june mini camps next week how early into training camp? Because I don't know if you're necessarily going to be like, all right, day one, he's going to be out there, right. you know, running with the team. I think that that could end up being a rehab field sort of assignment. Like you see him out there, um, you know, working individually with trainers and then getting integrated back into the offense. Right. But we haven't heard anything negative about that, which I do think is like a good thing as far as him in a timeline, not necessarily knowing the exact date of when he's going to come back, but like what it looks like projecting it out. What do you think that does for Justin Fields heading into the season? Cause realistically, right. Mooney was his main guy. So mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a little bit of a comfort that you get your guy sure. back, being able to work him back in. What does that do for Justin? You think in this offense and, and we, we heard yesterday from Jaquan that uh, DJ's getting the ball out here. Yeah. That's, what, that's what the statement was he's like. Oh, oh, two's getting the ball. Yeah. And, and that's great because, everything like we talked to DJ more about early in OTAs was the chemistry takes some time. Like by mini camp, you should feel pretty good. And then coming back for training camp, it should be like, you know, it it shouldn't take much time to like pick it back up and get ready to go. But I think how quickly that chemistry has come to fruition and they've been able to gel is probably just because of the way that he was talking about it. DJ Moore, that is, it feels like it's maybe a little bit ahead of schedule or maybe it's coming easier. Yeah. And I think so much of that is what, you know, people have said, especially tight Tolbert yesterday that Justin Fields, like the timing is night and day from where it was last year. And that's timing with your footwork. So you can sync up your throw to where your re- receiver is on what part of the route he's running. Right. So DJ Moore and him seem to like not have any issues with that. And you 
have, uh, you know, a quarterback who's more comfortable with the personnel around him, of course the offense is going to look better. Now, will this get the passing game off the ground? You really hope so. But I I think, like, with Mooney integrating back in, there's going to still be, like, he's got to catch up at some yeah. point. Fortunately, he has, you know, the the two seasons he's played with Justin Fields – like that sort of experience he can, he can lean on. Like they have certain tells for each other. They, they have the chemistry they are already built. It's not a brand new receiver coming in. It's just, all right. Like what does his acceleration look like? What does his, you know, ability to come in and out of breaks like that stuff when you had a lower body injury, like how, how is that going to affect Mooney and what he looks like? And then, Fields maybe having to adjust anything he's doing. I think it, it also helps, right, that he's going back to a position. Again, I said this. I've said this probably on every podcast out here. I mean, of he, comfort. he's a slot receiver. He's a slot receiver going back to the slot, and I think that that opens up um, kind of what he did great the first couple of years. We saw him that got us excited about Darnell Mooney mm-hmm. being a major part of this team moving forward. I look at where this Bears wide receiver core can be. And I do love that I'm only hearing positive things right now. Again, it's OTAs, but remember OTAs last year, there was a lot of like, there was a nice pass that got dropped. There was a nice pass that went through their hands. And we saw that play out in the season. I I still want to see more. I need to see more, but I like that I'm hearing the connection that DJ Moore is is moving in the right direction. Darnell Mooney should be back at some point based on what Flew said in training camp. And that Chase Claypool seems like he's got his life a little bit more figured out this yeah. season. Still dealing with, I guess, it's a soft tissue injury is kind of what you can gather just from like, you know, in, in talking with people that it's, it's not, it doesn't seem like anything major. Right. But I believe that the way that they talk about Chase Claypool is just that this is his true fresh start. Like I know coming in, it just, it was probably more than he was ready and able to handle at yeah. the trade deadline last year. And there he was got traded and became the number one in, in the expectations of him to become yes. that, not able to hold on to that road, not even able to, to, to take it. it role. Like, <laughs> it's, I think for him, this is a good situation because he knows, all right, if I ball out in 2023. I'm getting contract extension. They're, probably 99.99999% not giving him one before that. And they should not, but he is eligible. And if you have a receiver who can become, you know, another like DJ Moore type, the comfort blanket for a Justin Fields, you're absolutely going to pay that guy. So it bodes well for him. And I just, I just look at this receiver room as a whole and think you want to feel good about where the offense is, Going to mini, going from mini camp into the break and then training camp. It's not, oh man, we just we scrape by in mini camp. Like yeah. that's tomorrow's problem. Yeah. Like down the line's problem. Like all right, we'll see what it's like. You know, wishing on like you know, throwing a hail mary, hoping that it looks different when you get to training camp, even though you know deep down it's not going to. There's not that feeling with this receiver group this year, and I think that's a very good thing for Justin Fields because he wants to. He wants to be a passing quarterback. Yeah. He wants to be known for that. He wants to be able to like do the things he did at Ohio State that made him so great. And I just believe if you don't have the limitations within the people that he's throwing the ball to, that will help him become more comfortable throwing to a spot, be more comfortable. Maybe like, you know, even with the timing, like doing things before, like he's really feeling like, all right, like if, even if he's sensing pressure, he can still release the ball and know that DJ Moore is going to go get it, or you can trust that Mooney's, you know, this option for you on a quick throw. And and same thing with Chase Claypool fitting into this offense. That's the difference, I think, coming into this season, where every other 
I don't, I don't want to say every other team, but a lot of those top teams you think about, right? Like I think about Joe Burrow last year where he literally, I think he said in the post game, he's like, you know, how'd you, how'd you see Jamar down? And he's like, I didn't, I just, I just knew he was down there somewhere. So I just let it go, you know, like, and, that, it, and that's what happens. It's a byproduct of time, but that's also a byproduct of having really talented receivers. Yeah. And knowing, and knowing your system, right. You throw into a spot now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the next step for Justin. When, when I look at Justin Fields game, Having the receivers last year, I, I I don't know why I keep torturing myself. I keep going back through all these like game winning drives that didn't turn into game winning drives. And look at, look at Mooney and bobbling the ball in week yeah. six against Washington. I mean that those are moments that if this goes according to plan for the Bears this year, you won't have those again. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the change that now those one score games. Now I'm looking at the bear schedule and I'm like, these probably will be close games. These probably will be one score games, but I can see the bears finishing it out. And realistically, I know we don't want him to use his legs anywhere near as much as he did, but Justin Fields is still nine times out of 10 going to be the best athlete on the field. I mean, go back to what Matt Eberflus said that, you know, it's it's just being smart about when you're going to run. And I know that like Luke Getzey kind of gave you a very like gave out a very vanilla answer about that yesterday when he doesn't look at it like that, about like not trying to make it so Justin Fields doesn't have to run more. They don't want Justin Fields to rush for, you know, eleven hundred plus yards. Like you don't want that from your quarterback because you're gonna expose him to injury. And he's gonna, you know, it's just it's not good for his career longevity and yeah. what you want from that position. But they're still going to utilize them in the red zone. They still might utilize them on, on you know, oh, some yeah. draws on third down. Like there's a lot there that you can utilize with Justin Fields. Like, why would you, not, why would you say, okay, we can't do that anymore. You just want to be smarter about it. And what I love about Getsy is Getsy's like, I'm not going to turn him into a robot. That, that statement to me, I said this to McKee yesterday. It just flashed me back to when Mitch was in the press conference and he was like, we just got to turn some of these TVs off. And all I, you just knew that like Nagy was like, dude, stop watching what people are saying about you turn off the tv and like in his brain he's just so broken at this point he walks in the press room he's like, i wish we could turn some of these tvs off like, i was like you've turned him into a robot he doesn't know what to do if you don't tell him what to do sure. anymore justin is so instinctual and i think I, i've said this there are people that would rather him stand in the pocket and get his head taken off because that's what a quarterback looks like not in the modern nfl i love that justin has the instincts to be able to go that guy's about to hit me I'm going to move at a very fast mm-hmm. pace. And I mean, he has like these this athletic skill set that allows him to do things that others cannot. So you wouldn't tell him, no, don't do that. Yeah. Like, I think it's more just giving, trusting what he's seeing downfield and trusting that those receivers and the pass protection, it's all got to work in sync for him to be able to can complete pass plays that last year he would have tucked and run. Oh yeah. And, and it, I'll, I'll say this hearing gets, talk about the offensive line in a, in a positive manner that they seem like they're, they're protecting better when they're not scheming for anything that the defense is doing yet. It, that that also goes into helping Justin stand back there and throw some passes. Uh, let's finish it out with this quick topic on the fourth quarter because Courtney. Fourth quarter. It was a very interesting statement that you made that Chicago had a 0% chance at getting the Bears to come back. But the mayor says, I'm going to try. The thing with that statement, that the joint statement between Kevin Warren and, and Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson, yeah. nothing was said about at the all. potential stadium project. It's that. What, what was it? It was something about like, well, you know, we're going to try to find opportunities more or less to collaborate. I'm yes. paraphrasing there, but. I think that's smart. Kevin Warren is the president of, 
you know, a charter franchise in the third biggest city, third or fourth biggest city in the United States. Like you should be looking for opportunities for the Bears to keep their footprint, not necessarily physically, but like they're still Chicago's team. Yeah. So I and, and I honestly I think that so much of this is. Of course, it all stems from the Arlington Heights thing. It puts more pressure on Arlington Heights to be like, no, we're going to value the land at a certain rate that like that's not being valued at right now. It's it's a smart leverage play. He's going to take all the meetings that are available to him because he should. And with the Naperville thing, I mean, Naperville became more Naperville is more about the stadium when he met with I think it's Mayor Weirly, um, because like they they they're like, oh, we have this, we have an area for it. Like they didn't talk like anything conceptualization wise, right. just the idea of it. And that's when that statement came out from the team that Arlington, because of the way that the land is being valued, like it's, it's no longer their sole fo- their sole focus. So you can understand, all right, that doesn't mean Naperville becomes the sole focus. Yeah. It's, it's natural for him to, to make, have the conversation with Brandon Johnson. And, and it might not have even been about the stadium. I mean, we can read between the lines. It was probably about the stadium or at least just keeping that option open. But I think this has more to do with the perception wise of, okay, we need to have a situation where we're keeping at least publicly speaking, keeping all of our options open because that puts pressure on Arlington Heights. And to me, this is the smart move because if anybody is going to be able to get the Chicago bears to not go to Arlington, to me, it would be the city of Chicago because of the ties here. Now, I think Soldier Field is probably dead, no matter what, where because they you, don't own it. Like, where would they? Where would you put it? I, I have no. I keep idea. running this through my head. Like, where would you put it? <laughs> I have no idea. They've given so much land away to everybody else <laughs> over the years. Sense, <laughs> of, of like, and I love the, the the comments always. There's always one guy who's like, just put them in the, by the Rosemont Center. I'm just like, you're just gonna move the Rosemont Center? Like, I mean, <laughs> that whole area. The urban planning and development, like that would have been a great it would have been spot great. for them. It would have been great. Technically, that's because of what like the old mayor daily did. Like that's technically Chicago. Like certain parts of it. Like the airport is Chicago, the way that it was annexed. I don't know if you you're closer to Chicago there than you are in Arlington Heights. Yeah. Just based on like, you know, geographically with what the line looks like, um, of how they annex the city. But yeah, Rosemont would have been would have been nice. I mean, it would have been an easy one, especially the infrastructure is already there with the highways. And I think that that's kind of why I like this because there is still that okay, Arlington, like they're calling us now. Now it's not just Naperville. It's good you know, leverage. Who's going to be the next team? It, it's just so good to I. It's so good to see a president of football operations. And maybe it's just because it's new. Maybe in five years, I'll hate him. I don't know. Like, hopefully I don't. And I love everything he continues to do. But it just feels competent. Mm-hmm. The Bears feel competent. Yeah. This is a He's new a, feeling Kevin for me. Kevin Warren's a huge part of that. I'm 28 years old. The Bears have never felt like a competent football team in my life, yeah. even when we were winning. No, I get it. I mean, it's <laughs> Kevin Warren would not have come here if he was coming to a place that was going to be operating under status quo procedures. Yeah. So I, I look at that and I know that this is everything right now is calculated and it should be. These meetings are not just, oh, like, let's call up the mayor of Chicago today and have a meeting. And, like, maybe we'll throw out the idea of a stadium. Maybe we'll talk about some initiatives the team can do in the city. Like, all that stuff. Whatever. It's planned. This is a smart play. And then putting out a joint statement that, hey, we met. That tells you kind of that, like, okay, they hope Arlington Heights is feeling the pressure of 
the Bears' actions and inaction with them. It just feels like the Bears, the McCaskies have finally taken the, uh, we, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, you, you guys do, what you, do whatever you want to do. Let's figure this out. Let's put the right people in place because I, I have no idea what we're doing here with the setting up of a stadium. We haven't done that. The building they, they a successful have, football team. We haven't done that since They've hired people that think can help them. Yeah. So it's good to see. It's fun to see. And I hope that it turns into a lot of wins. But that's another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Appreciate you guys for showing love. As always, hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Make sure you guys drop a bird down in the comments. Big bird down action out here. Uh, for Courtney Cronin, it's your boy Path of Designer back at it again. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Peace.